Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your many blessings, for gathering us, calling us by your name, uh, and giving us faith and strength, uh, for feeding us your word and your sacrament, uh, and for always supplying to us people who are willing to tell the truth, not false prophets, but prophets who preach to us both law and gospel, call us to repentance, and also give us the good news of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that this day you would fill us up with good things, with your word, your gospel, with your sacrament, that we might go out into the neighborhoods that we live, the communities where we are put, and share that good news of forgiveness and salvation with those who are in need of it around us. We pray all this in Christ's name. His will be done in our lives daily. Amen. Our first lesson is taken from Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 16 through 29. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesied to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually by those who despise the word of the Lord, It shall be well with you, and to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, No disaster shall come upon you. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word? Or who has paid attention to his word and listened? Behold, the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. In the latter days you will understand it clearly. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people, and they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far off? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart, who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal? Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord? It's not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is taken from Acts chapter 20. Paul said, For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from them your own selves will arise men, speaking twisted things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. 
I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that, my, that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you <clears throat> that by working hard in this way, we must help, break, <clears throat> help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the seventh chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from the thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is the gospel of the Lord. Maybe see it. Yeah, our children's come. Our children come forth for a children's sermon. All right. Well, it is wonderful to see so many of you up here this morning. I'm glad to teach you about our gospel lesson. Jesus says this. He says, "Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves." So you tell me, what is, what is, a wolf in sheep's clothing? What is that? Go ahead. A liar. That's a really good, good way to describe it. A liar, yeah? I think when Jesus is talking here, he's talking about prophets. Maybe we could make an extension to our common situation, pastors, right? And what's the problem here? They're liars, right? They say one thing and they do another. They even have lots of flashy works and flashy things they're doing, but they're not proclaiming the good news. We might ask ourselves, how can we tell if our shepherd or someone is trying to lead us, uh, lead us is, is, a, is a wolf in sheep's clothing? Well, I think the one thing that Jesus makes really clear in the gospel lesson is that the guys can do lots of really great works. They can throw out demons and they can prophesy and they can do miracles, but you know what, they, you know what Jesus doesn't mention? Which Jesus does all the time and so does his apostles. These people don't preach the forgiveness of sins, do they? They don't talk to people about repenting of their sins, and then they don't also talk that Jesus has come to forgive their sins. So I think the easiest way to know if your shepherd is a good one or a bad one is, is he talking about Jesus? Is he talking about Jesus forgiving your sins and giving you eternal life, right? If he's not talking about that, then it's maybe time to perk up your ears and wonder what's going on, okay? Now, let's talk about something. We have... Um, we have these uh, shepherds, but who is the one shepherd? Who's our, ultimately, who is our shepherd? Jesus is. He's our good shepherd. What kind of shepherd am I as a pastor? What kind of shepherd am I? 
We would say, this is a really interesting word, we'd say, I'm an under-shepherd, meaning I'm under who? Jesus, and he's your good shepherd. And it's my job to point you to him. It's my job to make sure you know Jesus, you know the forgiveness he gives, and the salvation he gives, right? That's what I'm supposed to do. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm not your shepherd. You don't believe in me, you don't receive forgiveness from me, I'm just a guy. Your shepherd is Jesus. He's your good shepherd. And he loves you so, so very much. He does, each and every one of you. Let's pray together, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your many blessings, and we ask that you would help us as we walk this narrow path to life, that we would not be afflicted by evil or false prophets, but rather that you would surround us and always have uh, good prophets, uh, uh, good shepherds preaching us the word of God and forgiveness. Lord, I would ask especially that every one of these children that you, would, that you would strengthen their faith and help them to keep their faith even when they go out into the world that is filled with all sorts of false prophets. Lord, please keep them close to you. Please keep them under your benevolent care as their good shepherd. We pray all this in Christ's name and his will be done in our lives daily. And all God's said, amen. amen. Thank you for coming up. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. And our verses for consideration today, uh, something to look at, Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 and 20. Um, I picked those two separate from each other. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. You know... It's an interesting lesson, and I have to imagine, I have to admit, as a pastor, it, it strikes me doubly so, uh, because there is a there is a genuine worry, I think, of every pastor that they might say something wrong, do something wrong, and lead your people astray. It's the last thing you want to do. Uh, so, so this this idea of how you identify a wolf in sheep's clothing, how you identify a pastor not doing what he's supposed to be doing, is very, very important. It's something that goes through my mind, and uh, it's probably important for us to figure out what's exactly happening here. I'd love to give you a little context on this lesson. Uh, it comes at the very tail end of the Sermon on the Mount. So we enter into the Sermon on the Mount. The entrance door is through the Beatitudes, where Jesus is saying, blessed are the weak, the, the uh, uh, merciful. And then, and then he goes, the last one, one of the most important ones, blessed are the poor in spirit, because the poor in spirit is someone who is in need of the Holy Spirit, need of forgiveness and grace, uh, in need of Jesus, that is all of us. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We enter into the Sermon on the Mount through that idea. And today's lesson is the exit door for the Sermon on the Mount. It's how Jesus closes that sermon. Shortly thereafter, after this lesson, he moves on. They, they head on to the next place where they're going to go. So if that helps you kind of understand where these verses come and kind of what they mean. Now, Jesus is the one who calls people into a relationship with him, with the disciples, right? Jesus calls them into discipleship, and with us, he calls us by the word of God through the work of the Holy Spirit. He's the one doing the calling. And now, after he has kind of called us into this Sermon on the Mount, right? 
Then he sits down and gives us almost a new Torah, so to speak, or he reinterprets the Torah. He shows us that it's not necessarily how you do everything outwardly, but actually it's inwardly too. I tell you the truth. If you look at a man with anger in your heart, you've committed murder, right? All these kinds of things. He's reinterpreting the Torah. He's giving us all these, these new ways of living. And finally, we get to today's lesson, or actually about a verse before today's lesson, he says this, um, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So he's bringing his disciples into faith, and he's talking to them, and then he says, Listen, this is a new way of living. Uh, walk the narrow path to eternal life. Now, finding that gateway to the narrow path is difficult. Staying on that path is difficult as well. And that's where we intercept our gospel lesson, right? Because as we're walking this narrow path, he kind of talks about it in the sermon or the parable on the sower, about there's all this good seed spread everywhere, but some of it falls in places where it cannot grow. And its life is kind of snatched away from it. Well, this is what he's getting at here. As we walk this narrow path towards eternal life, trusting in Christ alone, false prophets are going to come along and cause all sorts of problems. Now, this is not a new thing for Israel. Israel's had a lot of problems with false prophets. And we can see it clear as day in our Old Testament lesson. There's kind of a theme running through all of our lessons, even the psalm today, right? This idea of, of a real prophet versus a false prophet. Now, chapter, uh, verse 16 in our Old Testament lesson goes like this. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, it shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster shall come upon you. What they tell us is that there are many prophets saying that everything was right between God and his people when in fact it was not. It was a lie. God was angry at his people. And he was winding up soon to strike Judah and Jerusalem for their idolatry. In the Jeremiah lesson, kind of halfway down, it says, uh, in latter days you will understand it. What he means is, when you get taken off into bondage into Babylon, you'll understand exactly what the punishment was for your idolatry, right? That's what he means by that. But they don't know, they haven't seen that yet. They will eventually. These so-called prophets in the book of Jeremiah that we've read about today, they should have been preaching a message of law. They should have seen the sin in their communities in Israel and said, this is wrong, we should repent of this and actually worship God, not idols, not Baal, not other uh, uh, things. But these prophets, perhaps because they liked the money that went along with that ministry, perhaps because they didn't want to ruffle any feathers, uh, or perhaps the evil uh, uh, prophets, um, they just kind of liked how things were. These prophets, they spoke as though they communed with God. They say, hey, we know God's mind. We know his will. We know what he thinks. And God says, listen, I haven't talked to these people. They have no idea what I am actually doing. They're liars. God warns the people through the only true prophet at the time, Jeremiah. 
that he is not only a God of compassion and love, but also wrath against sin, against idolatry especially. God hates idolatry. You can't hide from him. And his word of law, he says, is like a hammer that breaks rocks into pieces. Prophets like these that say they know God's mind, that they're, they're speaking for God, and, they, and they, they won't actually tell you that anything you're doing is maybe wrong or incorrect, right? They won't correct you at all. They exist all times. They exist in all places, right? They're all along as we walk this narrow path to eternal life. They don't convict sin. They promise you that God loves everything that you are doing. They do this right up until God drops the hammer and breaks rocks into pieces. In our gospel text, Jesus is warning his disciples, the ones who have been with him, who have been listening to the Sermon on the Mount, who entered in through the doorway of the Beatitudes, to remain on this path, you will have to deal with false prophets who will try to lure you away from the path of repentance and faith. The warning is simple then. Continue in a life of repentance and faith in Jesus and do not listen to false prophets. Now the question we have to be asking, that I ask, I'm sure you're asking, how do we know? How do we know who is a false prophet and who is a true prophet? Jesus tells us, well, we'll know by their fruit. Right? You know, the fruit you get out of it will tell us exactly what kind of tree it is. <clears throat> this is, this is uh, scary for me as a pastor because I wonder all the time, uh, if the fruit that I am producing in myself and in you is good at all. I am a poor, sinful man, occupying an office that I am not good enough to hold. Uh, Martin Luther's sacristy prayer is actually in the sacristy, and it goes like this. It's, it's, I think it, it kind of encapsulates it all. Lord God, you have appointed me as a bishop and pastor in your church, but you see how unsuited I am to meet so great and difficult a task if I had lacked your help, I would have ruined everything long ago. Therefore, I call upon you. I wish, to I wish you to devote my mouth and my heart to you. I shall teach the people. I myself will learn and ponder diligently upon your word. Use me as your instrument, but do not forsake me. For if ever I should be on my own, I would easily wreck it all. I, I just, I, 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 I've feel uh, kindred spirits to Luther because, I don't know, he just, he always seems to be willing to admit that he's a broken guy. That's me too. Um, a true pastor or prophet knows that Jesus is the vine and we are not trees to ourselves, but rather we are branches upon which the fruit grows. So the root, the vine, is what feeds us the branches so that the branches can produce fruit. Without the root, there would be no branches. Without the branches, there would be no fruit. I think the fruit is pretty clear, as it has been from the start. In our Jeremiah lesson, what's the problem? The prophets are unwilling to preach the law to get people to repent. These prophets, are, are they don't bear any good fruit. What they bear is people who have grown conceited. People who have grown callous to their sin, who don't think they're doing anything wrong. This is bad fruit. But what Jeremiah says is, no, there's a problem here, and you need to repent. He calls the people to repentance. We see people worshiping other gods and not having faith alone in Yahweh. This, again, is producing bad fruit. 
faith in Baal, faith in Astra, faith in Dagon, other gods. Good fruit is faith in Yahweh. So we see very clearly what is the fruit we should be looking for? Repentance and faith in God. The prophets in Jeremiah, the the false prophets were unable to create, uh, to make that happen, to do what was right, to, to preach the law and the gospel in its fullness. We see it again in the gospel lesson. Uh, false prophets, this is what's really strange. The false prophets seem to have a fair amount of power, don't they? Right? They can throw out demons, they can do miracles, they can even prophesy. But it's really important maybe to think about what's not there. What does Jesus and the apostles do regularly? They go out and preach about the forgiveness that people have in Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing they're doing. In fact, uh, I'll bring up this. It's, it's interesting. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 34 and following, it says this, And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And Jesus would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went through all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. The point of this Mark lesson is to show us one thing, that Jesus came into this area was healing people and throwing out demons, he goes to pray the next morning and everyone's trying to find him because why? They want him to continue to heal their diseases and throw out demons. And Jesus says, no, that's not why I'm here. I'm not here to do these things. I'm here to preach the good news of forgiveness of sins in me. So he goes on to the next town and the next town. So if that's the kind of context here, if that's what Jesus thinks is important, what are these false prophets in our gospel lesson doing? Well, they're performing miracles, and they're throwing out demons, and they're even prophesying, but they're not preaching the good news of forgiveness of sins. They're not preaching the gospel. They're not calling people to account and having them repent of their sins. And so these false prophets in the gospel lesson are as well as a Jeremiah lesson, producing bad fruit. And it's clear, just like in Jeremiah, that these people don't know God. They have not spoken with him. They do not have his word. Perhaps you are wondering, maybe if I can try to connect it to today. Perhaps you're wondering, when am I going to start preaching five ways to live enjoy with God or 10 ways to encourage your family or some kind of programmatic thing like that well I'm sorry but that's just not something I'm going to do I'm going to preach in different ways in different styles but the message is going to be the same we live in this kind of like a weird Groundhog's Day thing where we come in here every Sunday, we hear the same message over and over and over and over again. And the reason why is because it is so easy for us to forget. There's so many false prophets out there trying to pull us off the narrow way into the way that leads down to death and destruction. It's my job, it is 
as a pastor is to preach the law, to correct, uh, uh, to, 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 to show or point out our sin. Now hold up the law as a mirror so that you can see it. So that you can repent of your sin. So that when the hammer falls and breaks rocks into pieces, you're not underneath it. Rather that you might repent and hear the gospel. We are being simmered in a pot called our culture and our times. And the devil is slowly turning up the heat. Now it's easy for us to become calloused, to get used to the heat, really enjoy that good, good hot soak. So much so that we never even bother to jump out of the cauldron. You need someone in your life to point out and to encourage you to jump out of the cauldron that is our culture and is this time period. We need to abandon all pleasures, all earthly pleasures, that will lead us away from the narrow, the narrow path that leads to eternal life. That's my duty, to point out these things in our culture. About life, about death, sexuality, and money, amongst other things. And, and, and I might say, maybe here's the law. If you come here or you go to another church and you resent your pastor for doing what he's been called to do, you're not trying to search out a good prophet, but rather a false one. This is what your pastor has been called to do. And by the way, he does not enjoy it. No pastor does. But it is his duty. It is his call. Upon your contrite heart and your confession... It is also my joy to preach the gospel, to assure you that the forgiveness won on Calvary is still important today. It matters. It's yours today. What Jesus Christ did there 2,000 years ago still matters. It's for you. You have forgiveness. You are loved by God. You are his children. As you walk on this narrow path that Jesus talks about, whether it be by me or someone else, the fruit you should be looking for to identify a false prophet versus a good one is repentance and faith. That is what Jeremiah is telling us, and it's what Jesus is telling us. Look for a pastor who will call you to account. Look for a pastor who will keep you humble, and look for a pastor who will always point to Jesus who will call you to repent of your sins and believe in Christ alone for your salvation. False prophets are legion, but only one good shepherd remains. Jesus is the one who does miracles. He is the one who preaches good news. He is the one who is willing to die in our place. Thanks be to God. He is the one who rose again from the dead. Jesus is our one and only good shepherd. May God continue to supply us with prophets who will point to him and him alone always. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.